Welcome to the Baseline Feed, where we invite aspiring writers and voiceover talent to showcase their abilities and kickstart a career in the exciting audio drama industry. Welcome back to the Baseline Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Wood. Don't worry, we'll get to our episode, but I'd like to mention a few things first. We established this podcast to serve as a baseline for aspiring authors and voice talent, hence the name Baseline Feed. If you're interested in trying your hand at either, we would love to work with you. Please send an email to submissions at baselinefeed.com with a story or casting at baselinefeed.com with a voice demo. Don't forget, you can also check out our website at baselinefeed.com. There, you can see all of our episodes and even chat with us directly. We've received such overwhelming support for this project, and we cannot thank you, the listener, enough. If you enjoy what we're doing here, please feel free to leave us a review and a rating, or check us out on Patreon. Every story comes from somewhere, and today, we're bringing you a story written by C.M. Peters. She also plays one of the characters and is joined by J. Philip Morris, Katie Tatry, and Tanner Wood. Jack inherited his parents' house after their passing, but as he goes to clean up his childhood home, he discovers the secrets they left behind. Let's see what else they left him in Season 1, Episode 5, Hillside House. The sight of Hillside House, the massive family home I hadn't visited in years, sent a shiver down my spine. Rarely had I felt this dread before entering a house, even if this used to be my home. Sure, my childhood hadn't been unicorns and rainbows, more like discipline, religion, and silence. But this was new. The sight of those turrets, the large windows, and the veiled curtains dancing in the wind stressed me out even more than when I had laid in wait for insurgents to show up at the Iraqi desert back when I was active duty. Mr. and Mrs. Oliver Whitcomb, my parents, had died three months before, in what I was told was a freak accident. And it was only now that I could pay my respects and take care of the will. More than five years had passed since I visited Hillside House, and for good reason. The last time I was here... My father and I had a huge argument about Olivia, my sister. She hadn't been well for months, becoming more and more unstable. Olivia Whitcomb, as far as I could remember, had always been a little strange, in her own little world, and the only one that was let into that world was Lorelai, our head maid. I'd still managed to convince my sister to write me while I was deployed. We kept in touch and I could keep tabs on what was going on at home. It was her letters turning erratic and full of odd drawings that hinted at problems that made me come home. Olivia had manic episodes followed by very depressive bouts often, but from what she wrote me, she occasionally self-harmed after confrontations with our father. I never knew why she was like that. She could have moved out of Hillside or even gotten help at the local hospital, especially since she had before. But Olivia was 15 years older than me. There was a lot of dark moments in her life. None she ever wanted me to know. The main thing we had in common was our relationship with our parents. Tense, and full of resentment, but for different reasons. I simply never knew what hers were, except the fact that she was named after our father. The worst I'd seen Olivia was the day our father forced me to enroll in military school. 
Olivia physically attacked father, calling him a childhood killer, a liar, and a thief. To my dismay, I never got an answer from either parent as to what Olivia meant. It was the first time she went into a psychiatric hold. After that, I got news from her only if I asked, until we began exchanging letters. My mother, Marion, rarely spoke of her daughter, but I wasn't surprised. I had the cold shoulder from my parents as well over time, which was the main reason I'd acted out as a teenager. I wanted their attention and love, and they didn't show any to me. I'd been arrested many times for breaking and entering, larceny, and other petty crimes while in high school. Father's solution was to put me in military school when he'd reached his limit of patience. Now a full-grown man, I realized this house was still as scary as it used to be, though the other Whitcombs weren't there anymore. The bushes around Hillside House had changed colors with fall arriving, and the stone facade didn't look as evil as it did in my memories. Through an open window, I noticed movement, and when my eyes narrowed, I saw my sister standing in the window, staring at me. I wondered if the gardener still came around. Not only was this grass reaching my calves, but vines were crawling up the walls and the weeping willow was swaying dangerously close to the house. Since the town's attorney had given me keys to the house once our meeting was over, I didn't have to knock like a stranger. I unlocked the door and entered. It felt as cold as it did back when I lived there. During the meeting earlier, I also found out that I was now the sole owner of the hillside house. While I looked around the lobby, I remembered thinking at the attorney's office that Ollie would have a fit when she found out. Her not showing up to greet me at the doorstep only reinforced the idea. I knew my sister hadn't spoken with the attorney, he told me himself. Olivia hadn't been seen by anyone in a long time, not even at our parents' funeral. A gust of cool wind made me shiver, lifting a thin coat of dust that covered the furniture and darkness enveloped me as I stepped in. The hinges creaked when I closed the door, the slamming of wood echoing in the lobby. I listened for a moment, almost wondering if I'd hear Father's deep voice calling me out. Instead, only a church-like hum resounded. I looked around, feeling uneasy. Olivia? It's me, Jack. I'm home. No answer. I tried again with the same result. Where the hell is she? I dropped my duffel bag on Mother's prized Louis XIV chair. Seeing it reminded me of how I had never been allowed to sit on it. Mother would shriek every time I tried. You'll ruin the fabric with your dirty clothes. My clothes were never dirty, you old bat. I wasn't allowed to play. Running my fingers through my hair, I pushed down more memories that threatened to bubble up. Once again, I called out to my sister. Ollie, come down here. We need to talk. I heard a door slam upstairs and knew she was there, but in a mood. It was her favorite thing to do when she had a fight with our parents. Pout and hide in Lorelei's quarters. As I walked along the lobby towards the staircase, I felt an odd chill along my spine. Even if my parents were gone, I still sensed them around, almost hearing Father's pen scratching on paper. Oliver's musky scent and Marion's lavender perfume lingered in the air, enough that I wondered for a moment if they really were dead. 
If they're not, having them cremated was a bad idea. The stupid thought made me laugh inwardly. Something they would hate, but the glee didn't last. The door to Father's study opened slowly, creaking just as much as the entrance door. I stumbled back. There was a yellow police tape crisscrossing over the frame, yet no one was behind the door. Fear made me shudder for a second. Hello? Olivia, is that you? I stretched out my neck to see, but she wasn't there. The tape suggested restricted access, but even if it hadn't been there, I had no interest in going into that study. It was in there that my parents had been found dead. The metallic smell of blood floating in the air made me cough. (coughs) I hesitated, staying at the entrance, my eyes roaming the room. Nothing had moved. The mahogany desk was in the same place, the mini bar in the back corner, and the old gramophone by the window, ready to play. The only thing that had changed was the carpet piece missing by the bookcase. The floorboard still showed traces of blood. Thinking about my sister once more, I wondered why she hadn't cleaned this up, or even had called a cleaning crew. (sighs) I sighed deeply and closed the door without breaking the tape. I heard sounds coming from the second floor again and climbed up the stairs. Wind reached me, and I remembered there was open windows up there. The hollow hum the wind produced, as if it were channeling tunnels upstairs, creeped me out the same as it did when I was a kid. It had taken me years as a child to stop being scared during storms. It didn't help that father constantly mocked this fear. The clutter I found on the second floor was unbelievable. I'd seen my share of chaos while in deployment in Iraq and Afghanistan. But this was like nothing I'd ever seen. Chairs were piled up together, clogging the hallway leading to the east wing, and mattresses were tangled with the steel bed frames to close the north wing's access. As I walked forward, I felt crunchiness from under my boots. I crouched down to find a mixture of porcelain, nails, and bolts leading to the west wing entrance. What the hell? I grazed the materials. Another shiver went down my spine. This time, worry. Since the way wasn't blocked to the west wing, I treaded carefully, keeping an eye open. The wind still howled, and when the thunder cracked loudly, my former soldier reflexes surfaced. I reached for my gun, which, of course, wasn't there anymore. It hadn't been on my hip for over two years. Instead, I adjusted my center of gravity, my eyes scanning all around as I moved warily. The West Wing was an area in Hillside House that I barely knew. It was reserved for the few staff my parents employed. The rooms had been emptied over the years as the staff was slowly let go. With no children left in the house and barely any guests over, Oliver and Marion reduced the number of employees over the years. Once I passed the archway, I heard metal creaking, but couldn't figure out where it came from. On top of that, the same church-like humming buzzed in my ears, making me even more alert. The area smelled of dust, varnish, and hot metal. My senses on high, I treaded slowly, checking every doorknob. They were all locked. Forcing them open would only make more noise. But if I do, Olivia might come out of hiding. I moved ahead, wanting to catch my sister so she wouldn't leave without talking to me, and finally saw an open door, the one leading to the staff kitchen. Still careful, I made my way there and stumbled back when I looked inside. There as well, all the furniture was piled up and packed together with metal chains. Other chains dangled from the ceiling, hooks at the bottom. I realized that the sounds I was hearing before came from there. I pinched the bridge of my nose and sighed. 
The only thing I could think of was to talk to Olivia out loud, in case she was spying and listening. Olivia, that's enough. I don't know what you're trying to get out of me by trying to scare me. I waited for an answer that didn't come. You've never liked this house, and neither have I. I know you don't know this, but it's mine now. They left it to me, and I'm selling it. I've never felt at home here. We need to talk about selling, as it's the best idea for both of us. You need to get out of here, and I don't want to come back to this hellhole ever again. I felt silly talking to myself since there was no response. The only thing I heard was the wind howling louder and louder. Maneuvering around the mess in the kitchen, I attempted to close the window, stopping myself when I saw a silhouette by the weeping willow. Its branches were like a mane in the wind, dancing wildly. My eyes narrowed. Olivia, come inside so we can talk. The silhouette disappeared among the branches, and I couldn't see my sister anymore. I slammed the window closed, hearing another slam a second after. That one I recognized. I'd heard the front door close loudly more than once as a child when Olivia stormed out after a fight with our parents. I hurried out of the kitchen, the sound of nails, bolts, and porcelain under my boots adding to my frustration. I made my way downstairs. Olivia, where are you? Come on, I just want to talk about this so we can both move on. It's just selling this damn house. Frustration like I rarely felt grew inside me as I went to the main kitchen. I found a note on the dusty table. I promise I'll be back soon. Oh. There was no way this note was from father. It wouldn't have been left there by the authorities, so I assumed my sister was doing her best to avoid me and annoy me. It was true I didn't really know or appreciate her the way she deserved, but I never thought she would make selling Hillside House so hard. If there was one thing we agreed on, it was that we both hated it. I left the note where it was, heading to the entrance to pick up my duffel bag and take my leave for the day, having reached my limit. But when I got to the hall, my bag was ripped open, my toiletries bottles were broken, and my clothes were strewn about the shredded seat of the Louis XIV chair, the stuffing coming out through the slashed fabric. I rolled my eyes. Jesus Christ, what the hell is going on here? (sighs) With a heavy sigh, I gathered my things and headed out to find a place to sleep for the night. The hot water rippled on my chest as I stood beneath the jet. Long showers had always helped me think, and since leaving the army, it was a safe place for me to relax. I could wash away the bad days and think clearly. I'd spent a restless night at the B&B down the road from Hillside House, the events of the last few months going around in my mind. My parents' sudden death had surprised everyone, so I had heard from the attorney's office. Given how they were found, I could understand. They were also active with the church, and anything that had to do with religious events. It exasperated me that Olivia hadn't taken care of the house before my return from Germany. There was dust over every single piece of furniture, and the mess upstairs was incomprehensible. Even without staff, my parents wouldn't have let their precious hillside house turn into this unsanitary house, and I knew Olivia knew that as well. If I wanted to sell it, 
the house had to be impeccable. And since she'd let things go, I'd have to hire a cleaning crew to help. After my shower and breakfast downstairs, I returned to Hillside House, ready to find Olivia. She couldn't keep hiding forever, however angry she was. I'd done nothing to provoke her. Except wanting to sell this house. Over the years, my sister had her eccentric moments. She painted her bedroom red, then black, graffitied the walls with odd symbols, even scarred her arms with the same symbols. Her behavior had driven our parents up the wall, and I wondered why she was never sent to military school. When I really thought about it, what she'd done upstairs was a bit much, but not so out of sorts. The house looked different in this gloomy weather. The atmosphere was heavier. The winds were even stronger than yesterday, and a storm brewed. It was like the weather mirrored the way I felt coming up to Hillside House again. The door was already unlocked when I turned my key. I opened the door, hoping for the best. Ollie, I'm here. Where are you? A creaking floorboard upstairs made me look up. Let's settle this in the study. I have papers for us to look at. I went to where our parents used to spend their evenings while I did my homework. Every night it was the same. Schoolwork, or copying page after page of the Bible. They used it as a punishment, or a way to try to get me back into the graces of God. Looking at the leather chairs in that room made me groan. <sighs> I hadn't missed this place at all since leaving 18 years ago. I could still hear the fire crackling in the fireplace, mother's knitting needles, and father twirling an ice cube in his whiskey glass. <sighs> with a sigh, I walked around, chasing the memories away while the grandfather clock chimed noon. Still, Olivia was a no-show. Although I did my best to remain calm, I found Olivia's shenanigans annoying, if not completely childish. I removed my bomber jacket, went back into the lobby, and climbed the stairs. There, I found nothing. All the chairs, the tables, and the mattresses were gone, and the trail of porcelain, nails, and bolts, gone. What the fuck? I spun around slowly and saw nothing. Not even a glimpse of Olivia. I heard noise coming from the east wing over the humming I'd gotten used to. The familiar sound of the dumbwaiter pulley system made me hurry to see what was moving. Even more so, who was moving it. I opened the chute door and saw nothing but cobwebs dwindling down the metal strings. A look up the chute showed the dumbwaiter was in the attic, where it never went. The pulley up the tunnel suddenly screeched, and the lift dropped. I barely had the time to move back, my heart thundering in my chest. My breath heavy, I stared at the car stopping at my level. Almost lost my head there. In which was a massive banking box. I reached out a trembling hand for the box, at the ready in case the door closed on me. The box was wrinkled, mold-smelling, and marked with Olivia's name. I picked it out and set the box down. As soon as I did, the door slammed shut and I heard the car drop down to another floor. I sat on the floor, leaning my back against the wall, my hands in my face. <sighs> I don't need this right now. Again, I heard cracking further down the hallway, but this time I didn't care to look. Get a life, Olivia. 
Seriously. When I looked at the box, the way my sister's name was written intrigued me. I lifted the lid, finding a series of leather journals bound together with a blue ribbon. With an eyebrow raised, I picked up the bundle, undoing the bow. The first journal dated to Olivia's tween years. Her scribbles mostly revolved around school and friends. I took another from the middle of the pile. That one dated back to the year she turned 15. The handwriting was hasty, dark, with pentagrams and daggers on the margins. I frowned, not remembering Olivia being into such things, but realized I wasn't born then. I only remembered her bedroom decorations. Father and I had another fight. He's so strict with me. I just want to have fun. See my friends, go out, see a movie, but no. I have to stay home and study, sometimes even the Bible. Mother keeps telling me she doesn't want a whore in the family. I'm not a whore, but if she only knew what's really going on, I have powers on my side now. She'll see. They'll both see. The words left me wondering. It was true our parents were strict. I'd had my own issues with them, fighting over and over. But in my case, I lived the life of a little criminal. But what happened with Ollie? What are those powers she's talking about? Seeing those drawings, I thought she probably dabbled in those magic things that were popular back then. I grabbed another journal, finding discrepancies in the dates. All the other journals were piled in a chronological order, but there was a six-month gap between the end of the previous one and the start of the one in my hands. This time, the handwriting was much calmer, and the drawings in the margin were gone, except for hearts and flowers and a series of boys' names. Before I could read any further, the dumbwaiter creaked again as if someone was lifting it back up. I jumped to my feet, opening the door. Olivia, enough! I'm coming down there. I slammed it closed, hurrying down the stairs and into the basement. For as long as I could remember, I hated that part of the house. It smelled like food had been rotten in there, mingled with the scents of hot metal and gasoline. Father knew how much I hated it, but still made me clean it as a punishment when I wasn't copying sentences or getting the belt. And cleaning this hellhole was enough to keep me in line for a while until I misbehaved again. My eyes adjusted to the low light, and I looked for Olivia. With the winds outside, every beam creaked and the floors began to tremble. It felt like the house protested my presence. Not letting my petty fears stop me, I moved forward, looking in every corner, opening every door. Save for a few dozen cobwebs in the smell, nothing seemed out of place. That was until I reached the last door on the left, where the gardener kept his tools. When I looked inside, knives, hatchets, and axes, and pruners, and scythes were filling the room, slightly swaying. I looked around the room, but Olivia wasn't there, nor was anyone else. A shimmer of light near the door made me look away for a moment, and when I looked back, all of the blades were pointing at me. I froze where I stood, and in the blink of an eye, all of the sharp equipment flew at me. Oh, shit! I did exactly what I had been taught in boot camp, which was duck and roll. The blades passed over me, some digging into the doorframe, others on the opposing walls. My heart nearly beat out of my chest as I remained crouched down, but I knew this wasn't Olivia's doing. Whatever she believed in, I fiercely believed there was no such thing as magic, good or bad. When the metal of the tools tinkled, I looked up to see them vibrating, some of them pulling out of the wall. Before they had a chance to get to me again, I crawled out of the room and hurried out of the basement, closing the door hastily behind me. Only when I was in the lobby did I stop running, my whole body tense with a type of fear I hadn't felt in a long time, the same I felt while on patrols in the desert. 
I inhaled deeply, surveying my surroundings. Olivia? Silence. I was now truly worried about her. Was she the one roaming the house, or was it someone else? Could it be a squatter, or a thief? And the blood I smelled so fresh earlier, was it hers? The questions tumbling in my head made me get in gear. This wasn't a game of hide-and-seek anymore. I had to find my sister. Olivia! Only the howling wind answered while the floorboards upstairs creaked again. The sky had turned black while I was downstairs, and from the looks of it, the brewing storm was getting closer. I ran upstairs to make sure one more time Olivia wasn't there, and when I didn't find her, I decided to seek help. The waiting room of the police station was just as I remembered, uncomfortable. Many of the older employees remembered me and my mischievous behavior as a teenager, and I could feel their eyes on me. For once though, it wasn't by my own doing that I was there. Someone, or something, was in Hillside House, and my parents were dead. Connections were forming in my head, though none of them made sense. If I had to start a search party, I'd have to reach out to the townspeople. Since I hadn't lived in Kennebunkport for a long time, I didn't know the people like I used to. Whatever I had to do, I'd have to make amends, and get to know them again if I hoped to have them on my side. Well, if it isn't Jack Whitecomb. Sheriff Donaldson, how are you? With a wave of his hand, the lawman invited me into his office. Doing good. No, no, son... From all of us there, our deepest condolences for your parents. They were good people. Thank you, sir. I'm coming to you to ask if you've heard from or seen my sister. Olivia? It's been a while, I'll admit. Last time I saw her was right after she was arrested and sent to Havencrest again. The name of the asylum made my heart jump in my throat. What? Why didn't anyone contact me? What happened? Olivia attacked your father with a crowbar. Your parents committed her there after the arrest. You didn't know? Do I look like someone in the know? My parents and I were never close, especially after father sent me to boot camp. I mean, I, I know Olivia had her issues, but having her committed for a second time, it's a huge step. Does that mean she's still there? She barely stayed a week, son. She escaped. No one knows how. Then she showed up at the house. I think your parents gave up on her then. They died not long after, but she wasn't around. She didn't come to the funeral. I know, yes. The attorney told me. I sighed, now certain it wasn't Olivia I'd seen at the house. Were my parents' deaths related to that attack? How bad was father injured? Broken wrist from blocking her attack. Your mother was in shock for a while. However odd their death was, it had nothing to do with the attack, according to the medical examiner. Oliver had a cardiac event and hit his head on the desk. Cracked his skull. And Marion was... crushed by his weight. Her ribs 
puncture your lungs. If your sister was involved, we can't prove it. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this. I thought you knew. Don't worry, Sheriff. I've heard worse. Seen, even. In the desert. <clears throat> I knew it wouldn't be pretty. I remained silent for a moment, then remembered the real reason I'd come to the precinct. Is there any way to put out a missing persons ad for Olivia? I thought she was at the house, and she's not. I have absolutely no clue where she is. I refrained from telling him that I thought something else was hiding in the house, even if I couldn't tell what it was. Sheriff Donaldson handed me a legal pad. Write down the physical stuff. Last time you heard of her, and all that. The rest I'll fill up. How's the army treating you, son? I've just finished my contract. Technically, I'm still in the army and still live in, on base in Germany, but I'm looking into other avenues. I'm working for a security company and thinking about going back to engineering school. Good. Good. You've, uh, turned your life around. Didn't have a choice, did I? The sheriff seemed uncomfortable, so I waved an apology. <sighs> Sorry, but still some bitterness there, I guess. But yeah, I'm doing good. I finished filling the sheet with as many details as I could, which wasn't very much. From what I remembered, Olivia loved to change her hair color and had many tattoos. Who knows what she's done in the last five years. Here. I put the most I could on there. Any help would be appreciated. All right, Jack. I'll send this out to the whole county and whole state since it's vague where and when she was last seen. Thank you. I left my cell number on the sheet, and I'm staying at the Manford B&B. Not at home? Nah, I don't really feel comfortable there. It's huge and empty. It hasn't been taken care of that well. There's wind coming in from everywhere. Probably a lot of work that needs to be done. With such a big house, I don't doubt it. I'll keep you posted with anything, son. I hope we find Olivia quickly. Me too. I'm worried about her. Donaldson rose from his chair and reached out his hand. I shook his hand and took my leave. The only thing I could do in the meantime was to get back to Hillside House and see where I could start clearing it out for the sale. The storm brewing earlier was now closer, the clouds nearly black as night. I parked the rental on the far side of the driveway so the tree branches wouldn't reach it with the strong winds. Once inside, I took a deep breath. Just as the last time I'd visited, I couldn't wait to leave. This time, knowing I wouldn't come back. While looking over the kitchen and the dining room, I realized I'd have to hire a cleaning crew. There was no way I could take good pictures to sell Hillside House in such a state. The rooms I'd already looked over were noted down and I continued each room one by one. 
Everything was in its place. Only dust had accumulated on the furniture. But once I reached the dumbwaiter, I found the bank box I'd left behind. The journals were still in place, piled up together. I decided to take a break and sat down, ignoring the creaking wires in the chute. I picked up the journal, flipped a few pages, and began reading. I don't care what Mother says. This is a blessing to me, not an aberration. I've never felt so fulfilled in my life, never so useful, too. It sucks that I have to hide, but I don't mind. I just want to get through this and show everyone how wrong they were about me. I've changed. I'm not who I used to be anymore. And this beautiful surprise will show it to the world. I looked at the date, confused. It was from before I was born again. I kept reading a few pages after. Time is passing so slow some days, and some days, so fast. The doctor says I'm doing well for someone so young in my condition, so I'm glad. I'm doing things the right way. I'm eating well, sleeping well, when father's not screaming at me or mother throwing prayers in my face. He yells even more now that he and mother have stopped going to church. They're so embarrassed. To compensate, they force me to pray even more. I do it to make them shut up, but I don't care. God wouldn't turn me away from making this decision, which I made for me, for my future. This is my calling, and I won't be stopped. It's my body, my health. I wondered what Olivia was writing about. I'd never known she was sick. And why the hell would they be embarrassed about that enough to stop going to church? Maybe it was an SDI. I'm so big I can barely walk now. With my room upstairs, all I can do is go to the bathroom and stay in bed. I feel like a whale. Lorelai brings me food and stays with me for a bit to play cards. Of all the staff, she's the only one who's still so nice to me, as always. I know Father threatened her, but she's not scared. He knows the house won't run well without her anyway. The thought of the old German woman, Hillside House's head of staff for over 30 years, made me smile. She'd always been so kind to me when I was a child, hiding cookies in my room so I could find them after school and singing lullabies when I was sick. All of the things Mother should have done. I wonder where Lorelai was now that all the staff was gone. She was the inspiration behind me moving to Germany after getting off active duty. Then the word, big, in the last paragraph hit me. I reread it, thinking I'd missed something. What does she mean? I didn't have time to look further because a gust of cold wind came through the hallway, making the pile of journals fall off the bank box. I grunted and picked them up, shivering and wondering how much it would cost to get the house back in shape. I realized I wasn't done with the house tour, so I put the journal back down and continued going around the rooms which were now oddly unlocked. The only thing I noted down for all the wings was that they needed a thorough clean, and for the furniture, an appraising company. There were hundred-year-old antiques in the house that had been expertly preserved. Once I was done, the day had already gone by. It was even darker outside, and the entrance hallway looked like the set of a Halloween movie scene, with the odd lighting and the shadows on the wall. I chuckled as I climbed down the steps, but stopped immediately when I heard a massive thump from the staff wing. I hurried there and found the bank box had moved to the other side of the corridor and the journals were strewn across the floor. Even if I didn't believe in magic or ghosts, this was odd. Hello? Is anyone there? This is a private home. I will call the police. I waited for an answer that didn't come. With my eyes and ears open, I went to my tasks. The bank box was ripped through and some of the journals were torn. I picked them all up and carried them down to the living room, knowing full well a gust of wind could have done all of this. But what else or who else could have? 
Olivia wasn't there, so if there was a squatter, I'd have to do something about it quickly. I resolved to lodge a complaint to Sheriff Donaldson in the morning. I put the box on the floor by the couch. Since there were still logs by the fireplace, I lit a fire, hoping the chimney was still in good condition, then sat on the antique loveseat. Seeing the time, I realized I'd already missed dinner time at the B&B. I returned to the journal I was reading earlier to figure out the big thing I'd read about. I flipped to a few pages later since the ones right after were mostly drawings of Hillside House's backyard, the view from Olivia's bedroom. Doctor said everything's fine. I'm doing well even for my size and lack of movement. I know he meant fresh air and we both know why. He just won't argue with father. All my measurements are good, I feel fine, and I didn't gain too much weight. My due date is still the same and I can't wait to get there, even if I love feeling the baby move in my belly. Baby? Olivia, what the hell? It now made sense to me why she clashed so much with her parents. Where's that baby now? I was now furious at my parents. Hiding from me that I had a niece or a nephew was a new kind of low. I didn't care that the child was older than me. It was family. I kept on reading, hoping for an answer. I want to have the baby in the hospital, but mother doesn't want that shame hanging over the family. It's stupid because she knows that everyone in this podunk town knows about me and the baby. They know how Simon and I loved each other, and that he was sent away because his father and mine made a deal after they found out about the pregnancy. I know father wants me to have the baby adopted, but there's no way in hell that's happening. Even if I have to fight him tooth and nail, I will. And even if I have to leave the house and get myself a place on my own, I will. I'll find a job, and I'll make it work. I felt a sudden surge of sympathy for my sister. Knowing she'd gone through this ordeal in a house like ours, I now understood her behavior. Losing a child at such a young age was tragic. I wondered about that Simon guy since I'd never heard Olivia or my parents utter that name in our house. The journal I was reading ended, so I picked out another. Hoping it was next in the series, I settled comfortably, enjoying the warmth of the fire. It seemed the wind had died down since no breeze was coming into the room, but I could still hear thunder rumbling from afar. The storm wasn't over just yet. Probably just gathering strength again. I continued reading, seeing Olivia's handwriting was still calm in this journal. It made me smile to see that she'd found joy in such a chaotic phase of her life. They've locked me in my bedroom. Lorelai can't even come in anymore. They bring me food whenever I ask. I have access to my bathroom, but that's it. Fought with mother again about a hospital birth, and this is how she retaliated. That bitch! I'm completely alone now. Dr. Billings comes every week, but I get no other visitors. Well, at least the baby's healthy. I'm trying to channel my anger differently so it won't affect the baby. I'm still adamant I won't have him adopted. Yes, I think it's a boy. What they don't know is that I managed to slip something into the doctor's file. I know that once he closes it, only his secretary will open it again to type his notes. I said in the note that it's against my wishes for the baby to be adopted, and since I'm over 14 years old, I get to decide, not them. The flames whooshed in the fireplace, almost extinguishing, and I shivered. It was like the house had suddenly turned into an igloo. Even my breath was showing in the light. God damn it, what's wrong with this house? I went to the lobby making sure all the windows were closed. But when I got back to the living room, the fire had died, leaving a pile of smoldering logs. 
With a sigh, I lit them up again, fanning the flames and made sure the fire roared before getting back to my reading, skipping a few pages. I felt like I was reading a suspense novel and couldn't wait to get to the final revelation, however dramatic it would be. It's getting worse by the day now that mother and father know what I did. The secretary kept the note and now it's official. They can't take the baby away from me. They've been so quiet though and I'm wondering if they're plotting something like stealing my child away from me. I swear to God, if they even touch a hair on his head, they will not survive the day. I've decided now. I'm leaving the house as soon as the baby is born. I know where the code to father's safe is so I can get some money in there. I'll manage after that. Wow, she made up her mind. I turned the page, but wondered what really happened. Because as far as I knew, Olivia had never left Hillside House, save for those days in Havencrest. My due date has come and gone. I'm still pregnant. I'm double the size of a whale, I swear. But it's okay. I'm really zen for the first time in my life. Everything I've been through, everything I've done, I know it won't matter once I see his little face. I can't wait to hold him. I'll always love him. Always and forever. I've decided to name the baby Julia if it's a girl, and Jack if it's a boy. Wow! And we're not even through the half of it. What else is Hillside hiding? You'll have to come back and find out next time. We close by giving credit where credit is due, and highlighting our authors and voice talent. Hillside House was written by C.M. Peters, featuring Tanner Wood as Jack and the narrator, C.M. Peters as Olivia, J. Philip Morris as the sheriff, and Katie Tatry as the mother. Sound design was by Tanner Wood, Episode artwork and music arrangement by C.M. Peters. We would like to express our eternal love and gratitude to our patrons, such as Eric Phones and Ronan Kumori. You guys really do make it possible to bring you quality content and our authors and voice talents more exposure. If you would like our eternal love and gratitude along with other goodies, check us out on Patreon. You can find the link to it on our website at BaselineFeed.com. Once again, we'd like to offer the opportunity to submit a story to us. It must be fiction, preferably around 2,500 words. Almost any genre is welcome. More details are on our Twitter, and you can submit your stories to submissions at baselinefeed.com or reach out to us at casting at baselinefeed.com about being part of our voice talent. We hope to see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Baseline Feed. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. For more information, check out our Twitter at BaselineFeedPod or reach us at BaselineFeedPod at gmail.com.